0: I've learned that we worship a God who can best be explained as a mystery. And yet we live in a culture that worships certainty. And as we go through our life, it can be a struggle trying to discern God's voice. It can be a struggle to know when you hear From God, but there are many times that you don't know the struggle of whether you're hearing from God or not speaking to you. And so you're trying to lead your family, you're trying to go about life, you're trying to go through your career, you're trying to decide about jobs and dates and what home and what school to put your kids in and why you were even put on this earth. And it can be a struggle. So today I want to unpack something that we all struggle with and even something that we've all probably misunderstood if you have your bible why don't you turn with me to first samuel chapter three as we dive into this text we are going to be observing a young man who is encountering God. And my prayer is that you will encounter God today. First Samuel chapter three, verse one, it says this, the boy Samuel ministered before the Lord under Eli. In those days, the word of the Lord was rare. There were not many visions. One night, Eli, Eli, whose eyes were becoming so weak that he could barely see was lying down in his in his usual place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out and Samuel was lying down in the house of the Lord where the ark of God was. Then the Lord called Samuel and Samuel answered, here I am. And he ran to Eli and said, here I am, you called me. But Eli said, I did not call. Go back and lie down. So he went and he laid down. Again, the Lord called Samuel and Samuel got up and he went to Eli and said, here I am, you called me. My son, Eli, said, I did not call. Go back and lie down. This sounds like your child at 10 o'clock at night when they should be going to sleep. You say something Dad? that? No, I didn't say something. You better go lay back down. A third time, the Lord called Samuel. And Samuel got up and he went to Eli and said, here I am. You called me. And then Eli realized that the Lord was calling the boy. So Eli told Samuel, go and lie down. And if he calls you, say. Speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. So Samuel went and lay down in his place. The Lord came and stood there calling at, as at another time, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel said, Speak, for your servant is listening. I want to preach to you today from the title, The Conflict of Calling." conflict of calling. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your people today. God, I pray, Lord, today that your word would be sharper than any two-edged sword. God, that you would speak to us in places of our life that maybe we have yet to open up to you. God, that you would do what only you can do today. I pray, Lord, that I would just be a mouthpiece to your people to speak your word, that it may enlighten us in who you are, that it may enlighten us in your, gratefulne- in, in your greatness and in your faithfulness, Father. So speak to us. We're listening. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said a big amen. Amen. You may be seated. As we come around this this idea of a calling, and if you find yourself rolling your eyes a little bit of that word, you're probably not alone. It's one of those terms that is so popular in our culture today that it almost means nothing anymore. And it can be frustrating the older you get when people talk about the lofty ideals of Finding your calling. And yet for most of us, that's way outside of our realm of our everyday life. And we're just trying to pay our bills. It's like, you know, you need to find your calling. It's like, look, bro, I just have a hard time finding my keys in the morning. You want to talk about finding your calling. And as much as I understand that, I also understand that there is a reason that there is something inside of you that has this thing to, to strive to figure out what you were made to do and to understand that you will never be satisfied until you discover it. We all have that desire. And so no matter how much sex you have, no matter how much money you make, no matter how many friends you meet, no matter how many, how big your house is or how many cars you have in the driveway, there will always be something unsatisfied in you until you discover that thing that you were called to do. And yet, So much damage has been done in popular culture by the concept of calling that actually makes us all discontent with our lives. Because rather than understanding the real nature of a calling, we have a concept of a calling. And often we spend our lives wishing that we were doing something that God didn't even tell us to do. Striving at discontent. The Bible says in verse one that in those days, Samuel, the 12 year old, he was who was apprenticing under Eli because his mother, who Hannah, who prayed that she would have a son who actually had difficulty conceiving. She finally had the son and she dedicated him to the Lord and then dropped him off at age four to be under Eli, the priest. And once a year, she would come by to see him and she dropped him off with someone who actually wasn't doing a very good job. He was actually letting his sons run around the tabernacle and have sex with women at the entrance of the tabernacle, and he knew about it and didn't do anything about it. He was letting his sons steal the people's sacrifice to God, but the priests were, they, they took it for themselves, and, and Hophni and Phinehas, the Eli's sons, they would send a messenger and say, Hophni said, You gotta give him the fat portion. The people would be like, But that's God's portion. He can have what's left over after it's been burned off. That's what the priest portion was. And yet they had lost what it meant to honor God. And they started honoring themselves. They started honoring their own opinions. They started honoring their desires and they started to treat God as common. I wonder how many of us treat God as common. I don't know. It's just a question. And something that the Bible says That's very interesting. In verse one, it says that in those days with everything that was going on, it said the word of the Lord was rare. Because they treated the Lord as common, the word of the Lord was rare. And you see, we live in a day where it's easy to get information, but yet it's so difficult to find truth. It's amazing how. Similar, this verse applies to us today and where we're living, that we are drowning in information. We're drowning in opinion, drowning in agenda, drowning in projections, but starving for truth. I know I'm right about it because we're living in a crazy time where we don't know who to trust anymore. You don't know if it's real. You don't know if it's fake. You don't know if it's inflated. You don't know if it's just a statistic. And did you know that roughly 80% of statistics are made up? That's a statistic and probably one that's been made up. Just like we're seeing today in this passage, it was a time when truth was hard to find. It doesn't mean that there was not access to the Bible. God knows that in today's world, we have access to the word of God. You can pull out your phone right now and have someone in a British accent read you the Bible on the Bible out. It's not a problem of access. But here's the thing about it. It's not that that having access about having access to the word of God. It's about our attitude to the word of God. It's why some people can come into church and look narcoleptic while they're sitting in church. It's why some people can come to church and leave early during the invitation because God forbid you got to get there seven minutes later to IHOP than what you planned. Yeah, I'm calling you out. You left last week. God's become common. It's why people can can click around the different sermons and Click on to watch church and oh, well, Pastor Danny's not speaking today or oh, Pastor Nate's not speaking today. I'm going to go click over here. I'm going to go watch over here. And we 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 feel that the word is common. And when the word becomes common to us, you will have access to the word of God, but it will not have impact on your life. I don't know if we'll have a church next week, but we're going to get a few things set straight today. The problem we're seeing here is the culture. The culture. And in the culture in Eli's day was a time when it was a culture of neglect. It was a culture where the value of God had become negotiable. What he said was was up for 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 negotiation. And therefore, there was an absence in the special presence of God. The word of the Lord was rare because the Lord of the word had become common. And I just want to say to you today that many of our cultural concepts of calling are really just self-help, individualistic, ambition-oriented delusions dressed up as Christian cliches. And just because you got a participation trophy when you were 10 doesn't mean you're going to play in the NFL. The culture of our day is instead of worshiping God, we worship the idea of God's will. And rather than Being in relationship with God, we want God to be a resource who is more like Siri than he is a savior. I don't know if you're going to like me next week and you're going to come back or not, but we've got to get a few things started off right, because we have to understand this, that until you treasure the voice of God, value the voice of God, hearken to the voice of God, make time for the voice of God and consecrate yourself. You can't get it by skimming. You can't get it by just running around to this person or that person. It it is the revealed will of God that we're after. When we talk about hearing from God, the way that it happens for me may be different than the way that it happens for you. In my life, I've, I've never heard God say anything audible out loud to me. He's never said, Nathan, I want you to preach about me to people. He's never said that. I was actually told that I would never do that. And before I was told that I actually told myself I would never do that and then gave up on my idea of my own calling. And then God sent me to a place that told me that you were never going to do that. So that way, God show me that he can use someone like me who was unqualified to bridge generations and point people to Jesus. He didn't speak to me out loud, but there were desires. There were opportunities, there were doors open, and I noticed some effectiveness along the way. I began to see the gaps of people in their life closing between how they feel their relationship with God is. And it took someone like Pastor Danny to explain to me at a young age that it was the hand of God on my life. I didn't know that. If he wouldn't have been there to guide me, I, I wouldn't have I would have maybe thought that I was just some passionate person with some crazy ideas, but he helped me to see that there was something supernatural involved. And I I had someone who had been around long enough to see things to tell me that it was something special. Otherwise, I would have never known that. Now, God has called me to, to do what I'm doing today to preach and to be a pastor. but the truth is, God has also called each Christian to do something, all of us. But here's the part that I think that has become incomplete. While people can simply say you need to find your calling. You need to find your calling. You need to find your calling. Hey, you need to find your calling. 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 It, it, it gets annoying after a while, doesn't it? But many people are like I, I'm 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 just trying like, look, man, I just need a job. I don't don't know about this calling thing. I just need a raise right now. And we make it sound as if it's something that you can just get and something that you just should know. And yet, did you notice that in this passage that even Samuel, who was the link between the period of the judges of the monarchy of Israel, a thousand years before Jesus, that even Samuel, who none of his words fell to the ground, that even Samuel didn't get it right the first time. I don't know why, but that that encouraged me to know that there's someone that God used to do something great. And he called himself he, or he called him and he chose him. But even this great prophet didn't get it right the first time. And I want I want to set you free today from the feeling that you have to find your calling, because that's a cultural concept. It's not a biblical one. You, you, you don't have to find your calling. In fact, if this text is correct. If, if Samuel is an illustration, then I don't have to find my calling because watch this, get ready to shout. If I will serve the purpose of the season that I'm in in my life right now, my calling will find me. Aren't you glad to know that someone like Samuel heard a voice? He didn't even know whose voice it was. And yet, here's the thing about it because I want to talk about the, the context that you have around you. Not context, contacts, the people. Because when he heard, first heard the voice, it sounded like something he'd heard before, it sounded like something familiar. Have you ever noticed that it's hard sometimes to differentiate between? God's voice and maybe a leader or a mentor in your life speaking to you. I've been talking about this thing with with some of our team about the the value and the importance of how we really need people in our life who who are older than us, who've been around a little bit longer and to respect the price that they've paid and not just to think that they, they don't because they don't have as many Instagram followers that they don't have nothing to say. Or that they don't have nothing to teach us because too many times we we, we look for people who are influenced or we were influenced by people who have something to say, but they say the things that we want them to say rather than the things that we need to hear. And there is there is value in people who may have not not have the physical vision that they once used to have, but they can discern spiritual things who have been around long enough to explain that that when God is speaking and when God's doing to a younger generation that doesn't quite understand it yet, who doesn't have the experience to understand who's talking to them and what voices we need to listen to. I wouldn't have understood this in in things in my life that that God was trying to tell me if I didn't have the right context around me, explaining to me to discern the voice of God on my life. And if if Eli wasn't, the truth is, Eli wasn't even a perfect priest. Not at all. In fact, God was in the process of moving him out. He was trying to get him out of the way. And even in that transition, because that's what this whole passage is about. It's it's Samuel uh, transitioning from a boy to a man, like boys to men. He's, He's ultimately stepping into the thing that God created him for. And God deals with Samuel, but he does it through Eli. And something you must understand is that whenever God is going to speak to you in your life, it's going to come within the context of your relationships. And this word contact is key because whoever you put around you the most will start to affect the voices inside of you that speak to you. Have you ever noticed that sometimes God's voice sounds like your wife? I know you don't want to admit it. That's why Proverbs talks about wisdom and it talks, it refers to her as a she. Look it up. Read your Bible sometime. Might enlighten you. Sometimes for me, it sounds like my wife. Sometimes it sounds like my kids. Sometimes it sounds like my pastor. Sometimes in my life, I've noticed that if I'm not selective about my contacts, I will start to hear voices in my head that clutter the word of God. There was just one time when I was talking to my counselor. Yes, I do because I need help. Trying, I was trying to better understand myself and the things that I was going through. And one time she, she said this to me. She said, you know, you know those things that you say about yourself? Like you're unqualified. You're not good enough. You screwed that up. You didn't do good there. You, you're not a good pastor. You, you know, you're not a good husband. You're not a good father. She asked me, she said, whose voice is that? Whose voice is that? And I didn't know, you know, if she was trying to get me to come to a point in like all therapy was like, it was my professor. It was the kids in high school. Like, you know, like you bring student to all point of therapy where you come to that recollection of what happened and where it all came from. But what I realized was most of the people, they don't actually hear voices, but we process thoughts. So we say the voice of God, but how does the voice of God come into your life? Through thoughts through thoughts, and that's why Samuel was confused. Right, because he heard something, so he went where he knew to go, and I want to point something out because He did the right thing. Notice that the Bible said to him that he heard his name called. And first of all, it didn't sound strange to him. It didn't sound something that was unfamiliar. He was used to it. And so he actually ran to it because that's what he did, because he had the right passion. And he ran to the person's voice who he thought it was. And it was the Lord that called Samuel, but it was Eli that Samuel ran to. Okay. And at this stage in my life, what I'm trying to do is surround myself with people that bring out the God in me. And and it's just for me. Now, I I don't mean to to be mean. I'm not going to be mean to people. I'm not going to not associate with people that, that don't do that or anything like that. But, you know, there are just some texts. There are just some calls that I don't return. Because I feel like In this season of life that I'm in, what I'm trying to do, following God's voice, I'm doing important things. My calling is valuable and who I have around me and the context that I have are important because there's certain stuff that's contagious. And I know that there are certain people around me that when I get around, I feel I feel something rise in me that lets me know that I can overcome and I need them around me. I need them to rub off on me. I need them to speak into my life. I need them to encourage me. I don't need people who are laying back on the same word that God gave me in the last season of my life. I need people to push me forward into what God has. If I'm not careful in this season, whatever I make contact with, I'll catch. I'll catch. Where I'm at in my life is I need the word of the Lord. I need vision. I need hope. I need purpose. I, I need security. I need Jesus more than ever. You do too. And I don't, I don't know if I'm speaking to anybody here today or if I'm not, that's okay. I'll just preach to myself. But your contacts determine what you contract. And so Samuel, he runs to Eli. He runs to Eli, but Eli tells him it's God that you need to speak to, and you see right here that the, the, he has the right context in his life. And you notice that if you have the right context in your life, they will always point you back to the only one who has the real power, but you got to have the right context in your life. And you've got to get this today because the concept of calling, most of us have this idea that you're going to go on this 40 day fast and God's going to speak to you on the other side. But the Lord is not going to speak to you just because you did a fast. He's going to speak to you. And, and, and you know, I, I don't I, I know yet you really don't want to hear this because it's sexy to think that someday there's going to be this voice from heaven and it's going to sound like a certain thing. But it's not going to sound like this certain thing. It's going to sound like Eli. It's through Eli that God calls Samuel. I want you to watch what ultimately happens in this scenario. Because Samuel gets called three times, and after three times, he comes to Eli. And how many of you are glad that that God, even if you don't respond correctly the first time, that God will call again? How many of you are glad that he doesn't just give up on you? So Samuel ran to Eli and he, Eli discerned, he separated, he made a distinction. He had the discernment to know that this is the Lord calling Samuel. So he said, he goes, when it happens again, this is, this is what I want you to do. When when you hear your name called again, he said, say this, say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. I want you to notice that Eli didn't say, Oh, that may be God. You better go run out and catch him. He, 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 if he spoke to you, you better go find him. He's gotta, you got to go chase him down. No, he didn't say that. Because if God was speaking, he'll come back. But all you got to do is be in position for it. You got to be in position for it. Understand that God is always moving, but he's never hiding. He's moving, but he's not hiding. And that's where the tabernacle was. It was it was the portable structure that that represented the the presence of God and where God was moving. And they set it up in the wilderness because they never knew when God was going to say stop and when he was going to say go. Why? Because God doesn't want you to depend on his will. He wants you to depend on him. There's a difference. One thing is, God, show me what you need me to do so I don't need you anymore. And the other one is, God, I want you. Whatever you lead me, wherever you lead me, whatever that means, whatever the cost, whatever it looks like, I want you. There's a difference. So Samuel says that Samuel went down and he laid in his place. Samuel went and laid down in his place. In his place. You will realize God's purpose when you get in your place. You will realize God's purpose when you get in your place. Why don't you just touch three people next to you and say, Get in your place. Say, get in your place. Some of you are sleeping. I'm wanting to wake you up a little bit. It's time to get in your place. That is, it's when you get in your place and you tell God, God, here I am. The real me, the honest me, the open me, the humble me, the broken me. The me that tried to do my will on my own and I saw where that got me. I saw how that worked out. I'm here and I'm ready for your will. God, here I am. That's what Jeremiah said in the Bible. He said, I'm too too young for this. Your people are too stubborn. I feel like that's the world we're living in today. You know you're not. They're not going to listen, God. But he said, but if you're calling me, here I am. Somebody shout, here I am. And the reason so many are confused about their calling is because you don't just have one. This is what I didn't understand when I was younger. I'd preach in youth and be like, you gotta find your calling. I'm yelling at kids with condemnation. You know, you gotta put a little fire in them, scare them a little bit. But I realized that when God called me into ministry, And when he called me to preach, so I started preaching. But then I also realized in my older years that also when I married Kendall, I also realized I was also called to be her husband. It's the conflict of calling. It's complicated. You know, you can make it sound simple. Find your calling. But which one? Because if I was called to be a preacher... I was called to be a preacher, and I'm called to be a husband, and then sometimes it it, it needs different techniques. It wouldn't work so well if I walked in the house and said, Kendall, shout, here I am. Give Jesus a shout of praise. It wouldn't work. Different callings. She'd probably say, turn around and try that again. Go back to work. You ain't got it out yet. So then four years later in our marriage, Kendall becomes pregnant and now I'm called to be a parent. And now a fourth time again, God help me. That's why I'm in counseling. This is the conflict of calling. But here's this, the answer is always availability. When Samuel said, speak Lord, for your servant is listening it created access, not only for God's work to come to him, but for God's work to come through him. Yeah. And You see, some of you are using the concept of calling as a crutch to not fully embrace the season of life that you're in. You're using it as a crutch, and you may be called to greater things one day, but right now what you need to say is just, here I am to this season. Because in the meantime, the only thing that God is asking of you is all of you. The only thing that God will ever ask you to do is to say, here I am. And when you make yourself available, the word of God will become abundant in your life. It will. I want all of you to stand to your feet for a moment. Because God is speaking to you right now. The fact is God has been speaking your whole life. He's been speaking through hard times. He's been speaking through painful situations. He's been speaking through your passion, he's been speaking through rejection. It wasn't that God wasn't speaking, it was that his people had lost maybe we've lost our ability to listen. God said to Samuel, before you can speak for me, I need you to first learn to listen to me. This is what God wants to critique in our lives. This is what God wants to do in your heart, that some of you are running to try to find something out there when God is speaking to you and saying that he will be able to do what, he, what he's called you to do. You won't be able to do that until you get into your place. Samuel didn't wake up in the morning looking for the call of God. And maybe that's the problem with us. Maybe we've we, we've made this thing all about calling and what God wants to do with our life complicated. And the thing is, what if God has called you first and foremost to himself? God wants to set you free today from trying to just go out there and find your calling. Drawing near to him and saying to him, speak Lord, for your servant is listening. That's his will. Too often we've made the will of God a resource And it's not a resource, it's a relationship. And so what I want us to do, as the team joins me, I want us just to spend the next few moments in worship, singing this song that talks about being available. And and I don't want you to sing and ask God to look for clarity. I don't want you to look for certainty. But for confidence to know that if you will make yourself available in this calling, in this moment, in this season, he'll speak. So I want you to say this out loud. And then we're going to sing this beautiful song. I want you to say it out loud where your ears can hear you. Say, God, here I am. Speak, for your servant is listening. Sing out to him for a Sing moment. we wanna be available to you. Just like this song said, we want you to have a throne in our heart. We want you on the throne. We don't want some other person on the throne. We don't want some other ideal on the throne. We don't want someone other, someone's agenda on the throne. We don't want some other person of leadership on the throne. God, we want you on our throne. The throne of our heart. God, we just say, here we are. We say, here I am. Here I am, God. Speak, for your servant is listening. God, we're not trying to go out there and find something that, that making us discontent with the life that you've already called us to live right now. But God, help us to live in this moment. Help us to live in this season. For tomorrow will worry about itself. Tomorrow will worry about itself, but let us live in this moment, in this season, and this calling that you called us to right now. As a father, as a husband, as a wife, as a son, as a daughter, as an employee, as a business owner, and God, as as a lover of you, Jesus, as a follower of you, Jesus, God, we call ourselves to you. God, we say here we are. We just want you. Help us, Lord, to stop making you a resource. You're not a resource, God. You want a relationship. So, God, I pray today that we would have a shift in perspective that you would cause a shift to happen in our hearts today. With every eye still closed, every head bowed in this room, there's some of you today that maybe you don't have a relationship with Jesus. God sent his son to become his own creation roam this earth to establish the church and ultimately to save all of humanity. And Jesus did that by becoming sin and receiving the cup which represented the wrath of God for our sins. It's the Bible tells us that he took on that sin and he nailed it to a cross that he was beaten beyond recognition with 39 lashes on his back and nailed to a cross that his blood flowed out to cover our sin, to pay the debt that we owed. And all he says is, if you will believe in me, you can have salvation. You don't have to go to the cross. That I did that for you is what Jesus said. That when you stand before God the Father, he's not going to see you if you accept me. He's going to see me and my blood covering you for all of your sin. And maybe you've been coming to church for a little while trying to figure out this thing, trying to figure out who this Jesus is and trying to understand what Christianity is all about. Look, it's not about religion. It's about relationship. It's not about the do's and don'ts. It's just about him. And you don't have to get your life right to get God. That you get God and he will take care of the rest. He will wash you clean. He will make you a new person. He can turn all things new in your life. He can reestablish what he's designed you for. And all he wants is a relationship with you. He wants you to know him. He knows you. But he doesn't want to just meet you. He wants to know you. Wants you to know him. So with every eye closed, every head bowed in this room, if you're online watching from the other side of a screen and you don't know Jesus, and you've never accepted him as Lord and Savior, you've never prayed that prayer to receive Jesus as Lord and Savior of your life, to give him the reins of your life to say, God, I want you in control. I've tried it my way and it hasn't worked out so well. But God, I want your perfect will. I just want you to Whatever you lead me, whatever you have for me, whatever you want for me, whatever it looks like, whatever the cost, sign me up because I know that you'll be with me all through the way, that you'll carry me every step of the way. And if you want to accept Jesus Christ today as Lord and Savior of your life, then I'm going to pray a prayer. But before we pray this prayer together, I just want to know who I'm praying with today. I'm not going to ask you to do anything crazy. I just want to see who, who is receiving him today and who I can believe with today. With every eye closed, when I count down from three and I say one, I want you just to shoot your hand up in the air and say, that's me. That's me. That If you want to accept Jesus, three, two, one, just lift him up. Lift him up. Lift him up. Thank you, Jesus. Lift him up. Lift him up. I see those hands. Thank you, Jesus. Lift them up. If you want to accept Jesus Christ today, it's Lord and Savior of your life. Just lift him up today. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Receive him today. I see those hands. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You can put your hands down. I want us to all repeat this prayer out loud. It's this prayer of confession. Romans ten nine tells us that if we confess with our mouth and we believe in our heart that Jesus is Lord and that God raised Christ from the dead, that we will be saved we will have eternal life. So let's pray this prayer together. Say, dear Jesus, come into my life. Help me to live a new life in you. God, I accept you as Lord and leader of my life. Thank you for sending your son Jesus to die on a cross for me And today I ask that you would forgive me of all my sin and help me to live a new life in you. I receive you today. I receive your free gift of salvation. I place my hope in you. I place my faith in you. And I place my trust in you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. And everyone said a big amen. Come on, church. Why don't we celebrate for every single person that just made a decision? Come on, church. Let's celebrate. Let's make some noise. Welcome to the family.